Welcome to FileMaker Talk. This is Matt Navarro. I'm live at DevCon 2017, and I'm here with Jesse Barnum. Welcome, sir. Hey, Matt. How you doing? You still awake? Still, still awake? I mean, just awake. <laughs> yeah, it's been. There's been a lot of activities. It's just been. Uh, I, I'm fortunate that I've got a three-hour head start because I'm coming from Atlanta. So, you know, waking up at five or six in the morning, going for a run, and getting here. Uh, in the morning, it's pretty easy, but by like eight or nine at night, I'm I'm pretty through. <laughs> I was up till two thirty in the morning. Oh God, I don't. I have no idea what you're still doing awake right now. <laughs> uh, well, I, I slept well, and then you know, up, and then just I'm getting rolling. It's eleven fifteen, so that's how. <laughs> yeah, I uh, you know I've been running every morning that I've been here, and yesterday I went out for a run, uh, and there's some scrub off to the side, like a big kind of you know it's Phoenix, so there's just tons of undeveloped land, and I saw these two things that I thought were pigs. And I got real close to them, and I took a picture of these pigs. And then I told someone at the booth here, and they explained to me that they're not pigs. They're called javelinas. And apparently, they're very dangerous and have huge teeth. Uh, and they're not pigs at all. They're descended from pickeries, which is a South American species. So I got some good pictures of them, but apparently I shouldn't have. I'm glad you're okay. All is good. Let's talk technology, sir. I'm happy to. What is up? So you have, what, two really big things to show this year, yes? Yeah, so MirrorSync 4, uh, well, really kind of three. I, I won't spend too much time on the on the plugin platform, but it's an under-the-hood change, but it's really a very major technology shift for us that all of our plugins have been rewritten to run in a, in a separate process. You no longer need to install Java in order to use our plugins, which people are very happy about. I'm very happy about that. Yeah, I think the feedback's been very, very good about that. There's a lot of other really nice, under-the-hood type of improvements across the board on all of our plugins. But the thing that people have been really asking about here at the booth that we're really promoting is MirrorSync 4 and 360 Deploy. Um, MirrorSync 4, the, the headline feature of MirrorSync 4 is that we have totally automated the process of deploying new uh, new development changes to offline users. So when you are on your when you're making your changes on the server and you add some new tables and fields and scripts and reports and things like that, and you want to push those changes to your offline users out in the field, you can now simply go into the MirrorSync table, change one calc field, and the next time your users sync, they'll get a dialogue asking if they want the new version. If they if they hit OK, they can choose not yet. If they hit OK. It will finish their sync. It'll download a new version. It'll replace their old version. It's really, really simple. It actually is really quick to demo. It does. It works exactly like you would expect it to. The thing that I'm the most proud about with that feature is that we didn't need to add any files to the solution in order to make that work. If you've got a single file solution, you only have to deploy one file to those users. I've seen some other auto-update features that have been built in for version management. Right. All of the ones I've seen require you to have a separate updater file on the iPad. So this is all self-contained within your own solution file without you having to make any development changes. That's really cool. So it like, uh, does the sync, confirms the sync is done, deletes the file, downloads a new file. Uh, yeah, that's a huge thing, huge great thing. That's exactly what it is. And then the other thing is 360 Deploy. And I have to say, I've been coming to DevCon since 2006. And I don't think, I, honestly, I don't think I've ever had more people interested in a product as I've had in 360 Deploy. Hmm. Um, the uh, we've we've had we've had groups of people, like four or five people, um, sometimes more, crowding around the projector to watch these presentations, which is why I'm having a hard time talking right now. Right. My voice is almost totally gone. But uh, but yeah, it's just uh, during the session breaks, a lot of people are coming up and asking about 360 Deploy. What I'm asking about it. What is it? So, <laughs> let, let me tell you what it is. Um, <clears throat> in the squeaky voice. Yeah. Um, 
So 360 Deploy is a system for very easily manage, uh, very easily doing a one button click process to take a development copy of your server uh, of your database on a development server or from your own local laptop if you choose to develop on your own laptop. Right. So Which you should not do for the record, don't do that. I do all of your development on a server, public service announcement. 100% agree, but we'll support both. So, uh, so we will take your development file from the development server and then we will automatically put it up onto your production server and import all the data from your production server into this development file. The setup process for doing this, I usually demo it in less than a minute uh, and there's not that much else to say. I mean, it's just a really, really simple setup process. It literally is a one-click button press to do the entire thing. We do all the file manipulation. We download the file from the production server. I'm sorry, from the development server. We upload it to the production server. We import everything. We remove. We we rename, move everything. Your old files are in a timestamp folder, so you can easily roll back if you need to. Nice. It's a perfect solution for vertical market providers. I've had doing data imports and all that stuff too, and rekeying and. Yep, it imports all the data from all the tables. We make sure all the serial numbers match up to what they would have been for the next serial numbers in all of your serial number fields. Even if you're using UUIDs, a lot of people still have serial numbers for work orders and purchase orders and things like right. that. So we'll make sure all the serial numbers continue in the same sequence. Uh, we ship the file unlocked, which means that if you're a vertical market provider, you can simplify, you can get rid of all of our instructions on there and just put a button on there for your own clients to do their own deployments. So I could picture a scenario very easily where you just email this out to 100 clients, they open this file on their laptop, they click the button, they walk away, and when they come back, the new version of your solution is updated and posted on their server. That's amazing. What technology is under the hood to make that all happen? So it's actually a three-part solution. So one part of it is that there's, a, uh, there's an application that gets deployed on the server, very much like our MirrorSync application gets deployed on the server. Okay. It's just a double-clickable, uh, thing It runs as a background service. There's no user interface at all. Uh, and so you need to install that on both the deployments, the de development server as well as any servers that you're right. deploying to. That's a one-time thing. So you don't need to reinstall that you know, when you're deploying new versions. It's a one-time thing. Okay. The second piece from a technology standpoint is there's a plugin that we have, the 360 uh, Deploy plugin. We, that's really where most of the intelligence lives for like writing the import script and uh, communicating for all, uh, with that server-side uh, server side application to do all the file manipulation. And then the last piece is a FileMaker database that has the scripts and buttons to actually trigger that. The FileMaker database is the part that you can customize any way you want. So you could, um, for instance, you could add an on-timer script to that to do a timed deployment so that a user could click, I want to deploy at 11 p.m. tonight. You could customize the file yourself with an on-timer to delay that process until that time. That's, we leave that up to you and you can customize that, you can change the, the interface, just make it super simple for your users to do it, whatever you want. This is going to greatly enable something that FileMaker developers have wanted for a long time, which is a best practice of not doing development in a live solution. I completely agree. You know, I mean, we do we do it. I'll admit, you know, sometimes there are clients that we modify stuff directly in their live solution. It's the size of the solution thing and the impact of the users and stuff like that. But I mean, going into the graph when users are actually creating records and making changes is always risky. Yes, I've had actual failures from that. I still do it despite that, even though I've been burned by it before. But you're absolutely right. If you go into the graph or you modify schema, your users are not going to be able to create new records in that table. And unless you are super fastidious about error checking on the insert new record, 
there's not going to be any feedback to them that anything went wrong. So it is a bad practice. Well, and worse than that, uh, last week one of our clients went in and did that during the day and it took the entire FileMaker server down. The FM server service crashed. <laughs> I have not had that bad of a problem, but yeah, that's bad. Uh, that is quite bad. Yeah, that's rare, That's rare, but it does happen. That's the, and that's the one time that you're totally exposed is when you're committing changes to the graph. Yeah, and so I think that, you know, I, I know there's several people in the FileMaker community that have a multi-stage process. They, they go from uh, development to staging, they do the, all of their stuff on staging, and then they go from staging to deployment. Wow. 360 Deploy will handle all of that. You just create multiple configurations with different sets of servers, so you can click one button to go to, to the first part of your process, another button to the second part of your process. Hmm. Um, so, uh, so with MerSync 4, pricing is basically the same. It's always been very reasonable. Yeah, the pricing is the same. It's $95 for a single, uh, one device comes free, $95 for additional devices up to five, and then the price gradually drops until you reach our highest price tier, which is $50, uh, is it four? I believe? Lowest, lowest price tier. $40, $40 per device, I believe, when you hit 100 devices. Uh, and MirrorSync 4 is part of our maintenance bundle. So if you've purchased MirrorSync 3 in the last year, or if you purchased it and then renewed your maintenance, you'll get MirrorSync, free, uh, MirrorSync 4 for free, and you can still use your same license key. Love that. Uh, what's the pricing for uh, Deploy? 360 Deploy is going to be $195 for deploying one solution to one server. We have not shipped it yet, and so we're still finalizing our pricing for either multiple solutions or multiple servers. Uh, we, haven't, we haven't finalized that yet, and we are planning to have this ready and ready to go for both pricing and you know, uh, a shippable product sometime in August. That Three, so, so MirrorSync is really, like from a perspective, my perspective of like having a bunch of clients and a bunch of projects, it's really very project specific. But 360 Deploy might be something that I'd want in almost all of my projects. I think that it sounds like you especially are very disciplined about your process of developing on a separate development file and then deploying. No. <laughs> no, I'm just saying that we, we, it's a best practice to do it. All right. Well, you... And, um, and it's much safer and it gives a lot of other benefits of testing stuff. And there's definitely some scenarios that we have now that if there was an easier way to do it, that would be the way that I would do it. So I'd use it for a lot more solutions than probably would require MirrorSync. So I guess what I'm, what I'm saying is, it'd be really nice if there was like a, uh, a license so I could buy for my whole company for all, any solutions we wanted to use. We don't do that for any of our other products. I doubt we'll do it for 360 Deploy. For instance, uh, if you are using um, uh, our email plugin, you know, we don't, uh, as a matter of policy, we don't have our email plugin as a one purchase and then deploy for all of your clients. Right. Uh, we do have, Reseller pricing, yeah. uh, and so Reseller, if you're yeah, sure. uh, vertical market too. Yes, we have yeah. vertical market pricing for our other products. So that's one application, unlimited users. Unlimited users, and so that will be especially relevant to 360 Deploy because I I anticipate 360 Deploy being a very very uh, key part for a lot of vertical market solutions. That's part of why we haven't set the pricing yet. Is that we want to make sure we get it right, and we don't want to rush it. We want to think about the right way to do that. Nice. So I'm it's very glad to hear that it's just so busy. Uh, the session just got out, so you probably hear the background noise level increasing as people come in for lunch. But uh, this is great news, Jesse. Thanks. Awesome, Matt. Thanks for the interview. All right, I'm here at DevCon again. I'm with Mark LaRochelle from Productive Computing. Welcome, sir. Hey, nice to be here. I, I'm not sure if we've... If we have been on the podcast, it's been a good long time. It has been... I don't know if I was ever on one of your official podcasts, but I know we've talked quite a bit oh, sure. you know, in the hallways and things like that. So productive computing, you guys are famous for, well, the, the thing that I see most is, um, is your awesome QuickBooks stuff, but you have a whole bunch of other things too. 
So let's talk about your product offerings and kind of what's new and exciting for you guys this year. Sure. Okay, well, obviously, FM Books Connector is our claim to fame. That's probably our number one selling plug-in. And we have the desktop version and the online version. But uh, the release for this show is um, the uh, Exchange Manipulator SE, which is a server-side plug-in that talks, you know, FileMaker Server directly to a Microsoft Exchange server and Office 365. So any hosted Exchange server, it works with it. So um, what's compelling about that is for the first time ever, we can integrate Exchange directly from like FileMaker Go, WebDirect, because you're running server-side scripts like you would with any traditional FileMaker server plugin. So not sync-based, but like if a user's got FileMaker Go and they're connected to FileMaker Server, they can actually get data. So what kind of stuff can you get in and out of Exchange? Right. Well, just about everything. It actually talks to contacts, tasks, calendar, notes, and email. Yeah, so for instance... Exchange has email? I'm kidding. (laughs) Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, like for instance, um, you know, one of the common things that people want to do is they want to send email from FileMaker. Okay, so we all know that there's a million ways to do that. No, it's just one way. Send email with no attachments and just plain plain HTML. That's the only way. Right. One attachment, uh, HTML, no go. So... What a lot of people do for solutions is they say, okay, well, I can SMTP the email out, okay, and then right. I can, and I, or I buy a plugin, and then right. I have multiple attachments, HTML, email. Well, what that doesn't solve is the problem of that user ultimately wants it in their outbox of Exchange because that's the warm and fuzzy they're looking for when they send email. They want to know, okay, where is the history that that was sent? Oh, in the sense, yeah, the sent history, sure. Yeah, so a developer would have to come roll their own history, you know, either BCC, the, the person that's sending it, so they have a record of it, or any other thing. Mm. So that, that's always the common problem, especially in an enterprise environment, you know. Yes. I will give you, actually, I would say that even for small businesses, that is definitely a problem because they want to have everything in one place and you, you don't get it with, and I, I, I prefer when I'm doing a, a email things to use this SMTP directly, which means it's not in your sent history, it's just gone. Right, right, and, and that's great because it works, but right. ultimately it's, it's like they never sent it if it's coming from one person to another. You know, SMTP is great for, like, reminders and, and queued-up emails or mass mail. You know, right. that really doesn't matter. We have the history. or well, we have the history in another place. But well, you keep the history in FileMaker, right. but that's not where users go looking for it if it was an, as an email. And when someone replies, you don't really see, like, necessarily when you send it. Or if they didn't reply, did I send it? Stuff like that. So, yeah, you, you've solved that problem. Right. Yeah, totally. And, you know, Exchange is a pretty robust email application. So it allows you to do things like send on behalf of. So let's say I was a manager of a department and I wanted to send an email out as somebody else, uh, as one of my workers. Mm-hmm. It was me composing the email, but I want to send it as one of my assistants. That way it looks like it comes from the assistant, not me, even though I wrote the email. So there's an option to send on behalf of, which is a common exchange thing mm-hmm. or Outlook thing even. Um, but So our plugin can do all that. Uh, the other thing it does is a lot of people uh, like official calendar reminders. I don't know if you've noticed that a lot of people create a calendar reminder out of Outlook and they send it, and then you can do things like accept or reject yes. or you know cancel. All of that is really hard to do in FileMaker. I don't even know if it can be done because those are official Outlook-like you know, well, you entities. Get, you get like the VCAL calendar invite thing, which I think you can do pretty directly because it's kind of just a text file. Well, maybe not super easy, but... And I'm usually in the Google area uh, or iCal or something like that, but I think they all use the same kind of a format. Right. But, yeah, you're right. So that's, that's a really common thing to do yeah. and hard in FileMaker. Right. And so with the plugin, you can do things like cancel this request or make a new one and things like that. So the plugin allows for all that functionality, which we never really had before. So, and then to do it all through Exchange in the back end, it's like, wow, I've got a real world-class you know, integrated system with my Exchange server. Um, the other thing people like is creating calendar events complete with reminders. 
So all of that stuff translates beautifully. So that's on the push side, but on the pull, that's equally interesting. What a lot of customers are doing now is they'll take their exchange server and they'll say, create a new mailbox that includes all the email that the entire organization receives. And then allow me to parse all that email into FileMaker and then coordinate it and link those emails either by email or by project number into uh, FileMaker. So in other words, for the first time ever, we can receive the entire organization's email, have that parsed in FileMaker and organized in portals under contact records. That's crazy. So Exchange like has a way to have emails for everybody. Yeah. Uh, it's not like just in their private email box I can actually see. I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. Yeah, there's settings in Exchange that you can say, okay, create a box that's all-inclusive, like the God box, if you will. Right. You know? and, and that works for both incoming email as well as outgoing email. Mm -hmm. So we've had uh, several customers now ask us, hey, how can I just like control all my email and have, have my hands on all of it? And of course, they don't want all the junk email, and they don't want the personal email. So is it, if it doesn't have a project number or a valid email address that matches to FileMaker, then we just discard it. So all of that's possible, and now all of it's possible on the server. So really, it's a seamless integration. It's really that's, powerful. That's really cool. I, I use like the Google Suite, G Suite type stuff for all the email for our organization, which does not have a God email box, as far as I know. I certainly didn't never never seen it. Yeah, I'm not sure about Google. You know, we're looking a little bit into Google, wondering, hey, should we build this sort of thing? Yes, you, you should absolutely. Now, aren't there other solutions out there where people have done some basic Google Calendar integration and things like that? Um, Maybe, but G Suite is really opening up its API and like really becoming a, a major thing. It's five bucks per user per month. It's like, to me, it's the most obvious decision if you're not like a big Microsoft shop. Uh, more obvious even than FileMaker is to get G Suite to run all your email and all your calendaring for your staff. Okay, so that's something we would really have the good skill set to do because would. it would just be a different API. And then we would just kind of use all our rule book and say, hey, we're going to deliver this to the community. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess you heard it here first. I guess it's not so private, but that might be something we could really consider. Well, I mean, now that it's out there, people can weigh in and say, hey, I want this, or if, if, it, if, if, I, if you guys built it, it would need to have these features and stuff like that. So. Yeah. yeah, and I think we could even use our same demos, because we already talked like in calendar contacts, tasks, notes, all of that's in Google. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, why wouldn't you just do that in Google? So, and my brother, Keith, has been wanting this for years. He keeps saying, why don't we do a Google thing? And I said, I don't know, we're doing the Microsoft thing, but... Uh, really, a lot of people are moving to Google, and um, you know, well, there's a ton of people on both platforms. But yeah, so true, so true. But I mean, it, it makes total sense. Now, just on talking to you and realizing your passion for Google, hey, it's shared by a lot of people. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I think it's my passion for not Microsoft. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we, I understand that. Yeah. So and, and us as FileMaker developer shops, we're not really a PC community. This is a you know the people who build FileMaker databases are almost all Mac users. Yeah. You guys are mostly Mac in your company? Or? So I'm glad you asked that. Well, we're about 50. Every employee of our company, every development employee has both Mac and PC because we build for both. Uh, so I would say it's a tug of war. It's a 50-50 in our huh. company. And my brother is a staunch Windows guy, uh, born and bred. I'm a staunch Mac guy, born and bred. I love it. So it really is the PC versus Mac from day one with Mark and Keith LaRochelle. <laughs> and, and the staff loves, you know, yeah, the whole, the the whole right? And then he's Mr. Webb, and I'm Mr. FileMaker. You guys, you guys own and drive uh, matching race cars and all that, you know. <laughs> all that stuff. Yeah, we do a lot together. And that's the part of the interesting story is you know, not only are we brothers, we grew up together. We actually get along real well. Mm -hmm. And we make a point to have lunch every day. So even though we run different parts of the company, mm -hmm. that lunchtime is our way to get together and say, what do we learn? today da, da, da. so uh, people are always amazed how well you know brothers get along and, and we run a business together we do every, we even vacation together occasionally as families and stuff so it's it's a great it's a great life that we have 
in this whole business family life. Well, you've, you've made an awesome company, and you guys have such a, a fabulous re reputation in the community. You've been coming to DevCon and having trade shows every year since I've been coming here. It's, I think this is my 21st DevCon, or 20th DevCon, I think. Yeah, so I've missed, I missed two. <laughs> 19? Yeah, something like this. Yeah, actually, you know what? I think I might have missed three. Really? Because I was sick a couple years ago, so I have to count that one. Even though I was supposed to be presenting, I had to cancel last second. So, so what are the other exciting things you guys uh, are, have released or are working on now? So uh, with our relationship with Intuit and QuickBooks, we're now offering QuickBooks licensing at a discount. So we can bring customers that would normally have to go direct to Intuit. We can save them money on licensing. Uh, we're toying with some other ideas. Uh, some customers say, hey, what can you do? You guys have a hosting company, right? Yeah, of course, we host. And now we're big with AWS as part of our hosting. Oh, yeah. Um, I wondered about that because I thought I'd heard you guys were like a Mac Mini Colo or something like that for a while. Yeah. Well, we started with dedicated Mac Minis on four data centers nationwide. Mm -hmm. And we really liked that platform. We were unique in the marketplace. Most mm -hmm. everyone else had a Windows-based thing. Right. And, you know, we took some flack for that on some, but a lot of people actually like it because people are, like you said, Mac-oriented. And they sure. kind of like, okay, I can run software in there and I can do all kinds yeah, of things. you kind of get it. If you're running a Mac and you use a Mac user, it's much more familiar to run and understand the server compared to Windows. Yeah, and there's a lot of automation we can do with AppleScript in terms yes. of you know compressing backups, doing things like that. But um, when FileMaker Cloud was announced and we realized that AWS was a big part of that, we, we took that bull by the horns. Something in, in me just was inspired by the whole AWS ecosystem, so I became certified as AWS, got involved with FileMaker Cloud, but more importantly, I said, let's use AWS for our hosting going forward. So now we have about a third of our customers on AWS, and we have dedicated servers as well. So we're enjoying that, that space. We're really learning a lot, and it's opening up some interesting opportunities. Yeah, I totally also uh, uh, swallowed the AWS pill um, and have most of my customers. That's the only hosting thing that I do. I don't offer general hosting. I only offer hosting for our consulting customers. Um, but we have a lot of servers running now, and to the point where it's actually kind of creating problems. I have to do other levels of automation. Well, how do you how do you manage all your servers? So we have a sophisticated thing that we. It's not really that sophisticated. It's it's simple to understand. We we have a standard by which we set the servers up. You know, we have um, you know the different drive configurations, and then we compress the data, and then we move it, back it up. We use S3 as part of our backup regime. I'm sure you do too. No, I don't use S3 because I, I wanted specifically to have my backups not on Amazon in case Amazon went down. Well, you know, the, the promise of Amazon and S3 is right. that, you know, it's this bulletproof, right. you know, 99, 9, 8, 11 9s oh, of nice. redundancy, yeah, is that what it is? So, so I mean, uh, we're feeling good about that, but a lot of our customers still want to download their data occasionally and just have it in their pocket. So a lot of customers do that on a regular basis. Hey, I want my data. You know, yeah. like you said, Amazon, maybe eventually it'll go down and we'll, we'll all be fooled. Well, S3 was down for, what, seven hours in February. Yeah, that's true. And I, and I guess it was some human error, yeah. a zero or a one yep. in the wrong place. So so that's a reality, right? Yeah. Yeah, and although we used uh, different S3 buckets in different parts of the region, uh, country, but still, you still. know, at the end of the day, you know, it's still an entity that could go down. That's true. So, um, but like you, we swallowed the AWS pill. And we're enjoying that. But you had a specific question about... Um... Well, I just kind of wondered on the management. I guess this may be much more geeky maybe for just you and me because listeners might not care about how, what, which flavor of Active Directory you're using so that you can get all your servers updated at the same time. <laughs> but I want to know. Um, yeah, just, it's just uh, you know, that, that movement to have everybody have their own dedicated server. Here's the path we use, and I would love to know if you do the same, same thing. When we start a development project, we basically will spin up a new dedicated server for the customer at the very beginning, 
So basically, when they make the decision to do development, they buy their FileMaker licenses and they start a server. We spin up a server with a, we put a dedicated SSL certificate on it, um, and put whatever the starting file that they're going to use, and then go from there. So they're from from out of the gate, they're running on their own dedicated server, not a separate dev server. What is that your guys' plan, or how do you do it? Yeah. So for our dedicated servers, which are what AWS is for us now. Same kind of thing. We spin up a server, dedicated SSL certificate. Um, you know, FileMaker server. We use their license, their license right, key, obviously, and then um, and then we're good to go. And then we just add the S3 component, the compression, the backup, the routines. All of that is standardized. Um, they have the ability to log in through admin console. I don't know if you guys let them do that. Or yeah, not. we give them admin console, and upon request, I give them, I make an account so they can actually get to the remote desktop of the server if they want. Okay, so we don't go so far as the remote desktop because that's usually playing with fire because now it they is. can restart the server on their own. And but with with a few occasions, uh, we do allow that. I give them caveats. Yeah, exactly yeah. caveats. And a lot of people do know what they're doing, and they just need it for whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're also using Amazon Workspaces for remote connection in for high speed connection into AWS. I don't know if you've done. That. That or not. Wait, which, what's this? This is called Amazon Workspaces. Have you oh, I have played with those. But you know what I found? Uh, well, those are, what, 25 bucks a month or something like that. Yeah. You can actually spin up like a T2 small for a lot less money than that. And it's even though it's running Windows Server, just put FileMaker Pro in it, and now it's, a, it's, a, it's actually a better solution. Right. Yeah, well, in many ways, it is less money in some ways, actually, because you can start with a 30-gig profile. The reason the workspaces is sexy is because of the deployment options and, and that suite. I mean, you are, you're on an iPad, you're on a sort of a dedicated app. Right. Otherwise, you've got to use a third party to connect to terminal services and you've got to run all that. So it's a little sexier with the workspaces. Also, yeah, with a click of a button, you've got Microsoft Office and that's fully licensed for another 15 bucks or whatever. So, and then clients have their own eco sphere in a, in a sense. It's just, it's meant, it's really meant to be delivered to the end user and all the credentialing. Now I don't have to keep right. track of users and they say, well, what user did you log in? All that's handled automatically through the workspace. Uh, so it really is the best deployment. So are you actually using like OAuth uh, authentication through the workspace thing so they can get into to, uh, your, your, so you're creating accounts in Amazon as not in FileMaker? Yeah, so for a workspace customer, we create an Amazon, we create an Amazon uh, account, if you will, mm-hmm. and then send them and, then, and they know their own password and all that. And that's how it works. As far as connecting to FileMaker, it's traditional, you know, they, we tell them what address it is. And then, okay. of course, we set up the workspace in the same region as their server sure. so they get maximum speed. Right. But, no, we don't do anything beyond that at this time. But we are looking at other ways to make a better, you know, almost like their own cloud. So you have your FileMaker server, you have your workspaces, sure. and you're protected within your own uh, part of AWS. So you have a lot of those workspaces customers? I guess the other, I, maybe the other reason that I don't is because we work really hard to have all of our solutions be WAN optimized. But a lot of times if you inherit a solution that's not, it could, it's enormously expensive to, to add that capability. So that's, that would totally be a recipe for workspaces. Yeah. Actually, to be totally truthful, no, we don't have that many workspace customers. Only a, maybe a couple that actually want a workspace to say, hey, I need higher speed. Or, right. or they're connecting from um, Africa. You know, okay. where where it's just um, not a good, yeah, even though it's a great solution, it's still just over the pond or whatever. Yes. So, um, yeah, Workspace comes in great for that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, so we enjoy and, that. And for that price, it's actually a really inexpensive solution to that, to that problem. Yeah. Compared yeah. to, like, having a server in Africa that syncs to a server in the U.S. or something. Yeah, no, exactly. So Workspace has, has been great. Hosting has, has been a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed that. Uh, our products are doing well and you know what most people don't know about productive computing is that still a, the large part of our revenue comes from customization so you know you take those customers right. and, and, and you do what most people do here is help them out and solve some big problems 
Yeah, so you're mostly a custom development shop, and then you just have a lot of these other awesome products yeah, to, to sort of prop up your... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, that, I mean, it's kind of like 360 Works, right? So 360 Works is mainly software development, and then they have you know great products for uh, that sort of dovetail into that. And I think a lot of the, the, the bigger shops have that. Bigger companies than mine. You guys are have been around much longer than me and have a lot more people and staff. How many people are you up to now? Yeah, so we're about 17 full-time employees, three part-time employees, um, you know, and always on the prowl for a developer here or there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, You're in San Diego or what, what city? Yeah, we're located in San Diego, and unique to us, we have one corporate headquarters, and pretty much everyone works out of that same office. Right. Uh, for better or for worse, we don't do a lot of virtualization. We do a lot of hiring from uh, right out of college. You know, a good part of our developers start that way. There's no good colleges in San Diego, though. What do you do? Well, actually... That was, that was a joke. Right, right, exactly. No, so Cal State San Marcos, which is right in our backyard, has a pretty good computer science program, and I go there um, twice a year, do my speech, and then ultimately get two or three candidates from that that we wow. hire. Yeah, and it's been a great... Yeah, leader. plus you have SDSU, UCSD, some other great schools there. Yeah, absolutely. So, And it's fun. Actually, that is one of the most rewarding things, Matt, is to give back. It's almost feel like giving, giving a young candidate a chance to have a professional career as a computer science person. A lot of these large companies like Intuit, Qualcomm, which are also companies in our neighborhood, simply will not hire college grads. They'll hire interns, but they won't hire college grads without that experience. At least that's what they've told me. Has it worked well hiring computer science people as opposed to people in arts or English or? Um, It has, absolutely. Um, And we have a great training program and all that, but they really understand the tough concepts uh, of development, and they're almost formalized when they come in, so they don't have a lot of that artistic flair like a lot of the developers have. You know, So maybe their layouts don't look so hot, but their development is unbelievable. Hmm. And to combat the layout part, we hire a designer. Sure. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. A design school, sure. Right, <laughs> exactly. So, you know, so we actually have our first full-time designer at uh, Productive Computing helping us with the layouts, and, and the guys couldn't be happier. And then they do what, everyone's doing what they want to do, and they're good at it. That's, that's awesome. So what, uh, I'm actually very curious about this little presentation that you give at the school. How does that work out? So that's cool. I have I have a whole scheme. It's very much like the zero to sixty in concept, where I say let's take let's start with nothing and let's build something together. Then I bring it onto WebDirect. I host it on AWS, and so you're showing what is FileMaker basically. Yeah. And I'm showing them at a really high speed to, to really impress them to say, I can't believe this is so. This is what real rapid development means. He, he really means 45 minutes, and I've got a database that's right. you know fully hosted in a in a, an environment that's bulletproof and you know, worldwide. Uh, they just can't believe it a lot of times. Yeah. They just can't, because in school, you know, it takes them weeks to do, just get sure. even their first project up, and it, it does, you know, hello, Joe. Yeah. So to see something so amazing, they're really blown away. Hmm. i got to figure out how to work with schools in Portland to do that, because I think that would be a really good thing, too. Although, I don't know, I'm, I'm actually a little bit skeptical about hiring computer science people. Maybe, maybe that's just because I don't have any of them. But um, we're all artists and... Well, you're a musician, too. You and your brother both. And me and actually a couple people on my staff. And, and then we've got English majors. And, and it's just crazy, all the, all the different backgrounds. And that's, that's just kind of the whole FileMaker uh, ecosphere is like that. Yeah. Well, it's funny because uh, the computer science, one or two of these guys actually do play guitar or bass. So they, they, you'll, you'll find that music, and, and you know, I don't have to tell you this, music and computer science go hand in hand. I think it's a left-right brain thing, mm-hmm. you know, that creativity matched with logic. So um, you'll find that actually a lot of these computer science guys are more creative than we give them credit for sometimes. Hmm. Yeah. And um, it works out well. 
they still can't get their arms around FileMaker, what it is, but once they learn, it takes about six months for them to really grasp what is this thing called FileMaker, and they either fall in love with it or they say, eh, I don't like it. Nine times out of ten, they, they like it, they, they, and they just, just didn't know about it. Sure. You know, because again, like we all know, it's not advertised on the Super Bowl. So, what is FileMaker? And you know, exactly. it's, it's yeah. people just don't know what it is, or, go, or like older people who are IT hardened veterans, whatever, say, "Oh, I remember that thing from the from the '90s. That's that single user, non relational Mac database, right?" Yeah, that does your recipes. Yeah, yeah, yeah and all that stuff. Yeah, and uh, so they may not know about it, but once they learn and they see the customers we work for, um, yeah, they get excited and they're happy to have that skill set. I like pointing out that it's been a relational since 19, or cross-platform since 1996. Oh, is that what it is? Cross-platform? Okay, yeah, yeah. That was version 3? Yeah. yeah. I think. Yeah. Relational was 3, too, wasn't yeah. it, pretty much? I think three, 3 was relational. We had our first portals. FileMaker 4 allowed us to sort the portals, and then plug-in API was introduced in FileMaker 4, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah that sounds about right. Yeah, or yeah. 4 or 4.1, maybe? Yeah, maybe 4, right, somewhere yeah. in there. Yeah. A long time ago. Yeah, I was just looking through that history the other day. Oof. It goes a long, long, yeah. long, long time ago. And it doesn't matter now because now we have 16, and yay. <laughs> yeah, 16. A lot of cool things to be excited about. I don't know if you saw John Thatcher's session about how it caches now in 16 even better than it did in 15, but there's actually performance gains in 16 that 15 does not have. I've definitely experienced that, but I didn't, I didn't see that session. And was uh, actually, he announced also he's retiring, which yeah. is sad yeah. and awesome yeah. for him, of course, but uh, uh, the community will certainly miss him. So what is, what is the caching thing? Yeah, talk about it. So, um, so first of all, I want to say, yeah, he did announce his retirement. It was his last slide. Pretty much the moment he, re he announced that, it was an instant standing ovation. And it was actually, I think he was getting choked up. I think the crowd was. And then Stephen Blackwell comes up, says a few words, as only Stephen Blackwell right. can, and said the same thing and another standing ovation of what he brought to the community. 28 and a half years. Wow. In the fountain. Yeah, so... Big loss for the community, but he assured us that we're in good hands, got good engineers, uh, Clay is still there and all this stuff. Yeah. So, you know, it's good stuff. Um, so what he showed us, what he told us is that the cache uh, actually exists for 21 days. So when you download a database and you it's cached, it won't refresh itself for 21 days. Hmm. Um, and what it does is it brings over the tables and the value lists and all this other stuff. And it stays there persistently through all your restarts and everything. That's why you always went, wow, it was really fast the second and third time. So what he said is FileMaker 15 did a lot of this caching, but it didn't do all of the caching. 16 right. does a lot more caching than it did. It keeps a lot more and downloads a lot less. So, so if you have a problem with the cache, how do you clear it if, you, if it's not by restarting? Interesting you said that. Uh, that was one of the first questions. Is said, how do we clear the cache? And, and John kind of announced it right away. The only way to clear the cache now is manually. Okay, so you actually have to find that file and delete it. And I'm, he didn't even tell us where the file was, but I'm sure we could find that yeah. out. But he then asked the crowd, how many would like the ability to erase the cache with a preference, you know, clear cache? Almost all the hands went up. And then he said, how many people would like a preference to, you know, have more control over what, what is downloaded? And there was another question he asked. Right. I don't remember exactly, but there was a lot of feedback there. So he says, well, I hope everyone's listening. You know, the, he's talking to the developer team. Right. Please get this down. There's a lot of interest in that. So, yeah, that's how it's done. It has to be done manually now for debugging purposes. And I, it's almost never that you see a problem with it. Like it, recently, um, I got a call from a client, and they said they had the weird, that weird font problem on Windows where all the fonts turned into dingbats, mm -hmm. which is not a FileMaker cache problem. It was actually an Adobe PDF font corruption problem. And so he, that was where the solution was. And so I think he Googled it and figured that out or whatever and fixed it in an hour, but, yeah, still. 
Yeah, yeah, we've seen those zap dingbats things, and usually I attribute it to memory. You know, in the old days it was memory based, and you had to restart the computer, then you were fine. Sometimes everything would turn green, a different color. I don't know if you've seen that. I've seen that. Me memory stuff. Yeah. But I didn't realize that Adobe now played a part in the font thing, but it makes sense. You know, it's font family, sure. it gets corrupted. Yeah. yeah. So it was, it was a really good session. Uh, as usual, John tells us all the whole story and nothing but the truth, and, and uh, you learn all so much from those sessions. Yeah, love that session. Sad I wasn't there. I'll have to watch the, watch the recording. Yeah, yeah. I love how uh, FileMaker's putting the YouTube recordings on now. I don't know if you've noticed that, but uh, having those available on YouTube is huge yes. for us as a community without having to pay for it or even come to DevCon. We can learn a lot, and that's the name of the game. We get to learn. You know, this community has to learn. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah, that's how we're going to get new, younger people, you know. And then it's probably a huge component in your training, right, for new people, is to have them watch all that stuff? Yeah. Well, we actually use uh, training videos from e either, you know, the Ippolite series right. or um, uh, the JMO series. Uh, we haven't started with Carlton yet, but that probably could be coming very soon. Okay. Those are key fundamentals. That's our foundation for our training program. You know, watch these videos. Okay, now build this database. Show me what you've built. Let's have some feedback. Mm -hmm. Give me some feedback. Then we have them integrate our plugins as part of their training. Then we have them do WebDirect, we have them do PHP integration. Once all that's done, then we train them on the core, we train them on FileMaker standards, and then finally, we train them on, we actually have them join client meetings, listen in on client meetings, then we have them demo to us so they know what a professional presentation is all about, because a lot of these guys just have never presented software in sure. a professional manner, and clients are really depending on you know a nice, smooth demo. So we, we train them on all that. So a lot of soft skills training, a lot of, so huge investment, in the end, though, you get a crackerjack developer that's trained within your culture, doing what you need them to do, learning FileMaker the right way, and you know you keep them as long as you can. Yeah, that's wow, that's formal and awesome, and I I feel that I have a lot of work to do in my training program. All of a sudden, <laughs> yeah. Well, if you go down that road, you know that's one approach. You don't have to go down that road, but right. if you're seriously doing it, if if you create a nice curriculum and you you have your ducks in a row. You'll be very surprised how fast these guys come up to speed, and that's where the computer science makes a difference because oh, these, sure. they, you know, they, it's not a hindrance for them. Well, they've learned how to learn yeah. technology. Yeah. They've learned how to learn technology, and their mind is. In order to pass computer science these days, you have to have a good mind. You have to understand those intricacies. Uh, now, FileMaker, as we know, is, is has multiple levels of intricacies, but you can take someone who. Um, who's a computer science major, and they just eat that for breakfast. Okay, yeah, fine, relationships, I get it. You know, you know, SQL, they're the first to learn execute SQL. Oh yeah, SQL, this, no problem. And they're really good at that. What they have a hard time understanding is, okay, the relationship graph, let me figure this out. They have a hard time understanding um, deployment, how, how deployment works, certainly licensing, they have no clue. Uh, but we don't worry about their licensing strengths, but just the deployment of best practices, what's Go versus, and how to develop over the WAN versus not, those sure. are the things that take them time to learn. Yeah. Got it. And that's kind of where, I don't know, for better or worse, that's kind of where we start. Usually I have developers sort of launch into a project and work on the things that they're good at, mm -hmm. and then just build skills from there. So it's basically just, you know, step right in yeah. uh, and work with clients directly with another developer. So they're sort of sitting there and... You know, and all of, all of the, almost all of our projects were in teams, right? So we had like a senior and a junior kind of working on it together. So, yeah, you know, we're small. We're six people still. So we have, uh, it doesn't really make sense to have a really big formal training program yet, but that's definitely coming. Right. Yeah, that sounds good. And, you know, I'd be happy to forward my curriculum to you if that is uh, interesting to you. It's on record. It's been recorded. I want it. I'm going to hold you accountable. <laughs> okay, that sounds good. And uh, even with six people, you could still have a you know a training program. Sure. Get, get that one guy up to speed. I love what you're doing with a senior versus junior. I think that's huge. 
Um, I love how you're making them work with customers so they can hear what that senior is saying, how he's saying it or she. Um, you know, that's huge because they, they learn from that and uh, they have to, they follow by example. And uh, after about a year, they finally feel comfortable to do those demos on their own, to call that customer, ask those questions. Okay, you want it this way, you want it black, you want it green, how do you want that? And it's great to see them get over that hurdle. I don't know if you've experienced that. It's much less time than that. Yeah, it, you're right. It is much less than time, especially yeah. when they're doing it every day, right? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking about individual people who had you know, some experience with FileMaker before. Uh, I don't think I've hired. It's been a while, but I have hired, I have hired people who are totally green. Yeah. Um, but the people, the most recent hires were had some level of, of expertise with FileMaker, so yeah. it's different. Oh, yeah. Well, if they have any expertise with FileMaker, it's going to be, you know, weeks, not months yeah. to get them up to speed. And they already know how to talk to clients nine times out of ten and True. stuff like that. But I'm talking about the greenest of the green, the guys that only worked in a movie theater and then now is their first career job as a professional developer. Right. Those soft skills just don't exist. So you have to literally teach those as well. And, and actually, I enjoy that. I think that's a lot of fun. Well, those things can be taught, right? Yeah. Teach them how to think like a computer science nerd. That's a very that's hard. It's yeah. impossible, maybe. Yeah, yeah, and that's what the schools have done. You know, they've taught them how to, like you said, how to learn and how to think like a computer science person. But they haven't learned the soft skills, and those are actually pretty easy to train. It just takes a little time and a lot of practice. So, a lot of times in our meetings, we'll have them model. To say, okay, they always demo to us first before the client. And then I give them feedback, okay, say it this way and not that way, deliver it this way, not that way, mm -hmm. show it this way, not that way. Right. They learn from that, they absorb it like a sponge, then you see them on the real deal, and, and you have a ball. You just have a ball. Well, this conversation has gone interesting directions I wouldn't have predicted, but I'm really glad it did. Thanks very much for your time. Yeah. Thank you, Matt. It was great to have, uh, have this input. I'm here at DEF CON. I'm with Nicholas Orr, or as he likes to be called, Nick Ohl. <laughs> G'day, Matt. How are you doing? <laughs> Because of the way you pronounce things, it's just so cute down there. You know? Oh, yes, yes, it's the accent. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> um, so we have all kinds of things I want to ask you about. So let's see, on the agenda for this conversation, base elements and the awesome stuff in the new version, um, FileMaker 16 and the REST API, and you have REST FM, which you've had for years, yep, yep, yep. and you had a role in that, and then kind of anything else that's on your agenda to talk about, right? So plugins and other architectures is the other really big yeah, news. Yeah, so well, I guess starting with base elements, I mean, that's the... That's our core product. We've had that out now for over 10 years, and uh, we've got Base Element 16 out now. So we're tracking the FileMaker versions, so that just Great. makes it easy. There's some cool new stuff in that. We've got a um, layout object inspector, so you can see child and parent objects. So you find a field, and then you're trying to locate it in your solution. Base Elements will tell you what the parent object is, and so you can go, ah, oh, that field's actually inside a button, which is inside a portal, which is on a tab control. Ah, right. that's how I find it. So it's exactly, like, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, layout's going to be super complex, and yeah. and finding a, a hidden tab on a layout that has a popover button on it. I mean, yeah, you're never going to find stuff. No, yeah. So that's really cool, and we've switched to a, we, well, we haven't switched to, but we've added the option of an annual model now, so annual mm -hmm. pricing model, uh, matching FileMakers. Um, so it actually ends up being it's cheaper now to get an annual copy of base elements than it is to uh, buy the upgrades each year. So if you're one of those people that upgrades every year, just switch over to annual. And I am, and I will. Yeah, much simpler. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, REST FM. Like, obviously, the, the, at DevCon, REST has been huge this year. So yes. REST and web services is, is massive. I still remember we, we've had our product, REST FM, out. Uh, our first DevCon we did that was 2012. Um, Five and, years. Yeah. So we, when we came here trying to talk to people about REST, 
It was just like, even if you could get them to understand the concepts, which you couldn't always do, right. um, they'd turn around and say, yeah, I have no need for that. Yeah. So, you know, we had... They, they were wrong then. They're really, really doubly wrong now. Yeah, yeah. And we did. We, I reckon we had two people who came up to us and said, you've got a rest product. That's exactly what I need. You guys, that's, that, you've saved, you know, solved right. my problem. So, yeah. Um, this year, obviously, is a massive difference. Like, the, the interest in REST FM has been up there with the interest in base elements as well. So. Right. That's really huge, yeah. So, we um, so I, I heard in I think it was the opening session that FileMaker really partnered with you guys to build their REST solution. How, what, what did that process look like? No, a lot. Well, we we didn't obviously we haven't helped code anything. Oh, okay. But um, you know they they came to us and said, look, you know, we're thinking about doing REST. You know, what does yours do? How does it work? What do you how, what do you see as, as its advantages? And you know how all the bits and pieces go. Um, and obviously it's still in beta, so that's like an ongoing conversation, right. you know, how does it compare? And I actually did my session this year, my vendor session, on um, the differences between REST FM and the new data API. Um, yeah, what are I, the highlights there? What are the big big ones? Well, the, the thing that I came to, I didn't actually, I wrote the description of it, um, not really knowing in advance what I was going to talk about. Mm -hmm. And then so I went back over all the things we've done with REST and said, you know, okay, well, what are the, what's, what's the feature in REST FM that we're um, taking advantage of. And it actually came down to just two things. One is um, the format flexibility, and the other is the um, uh, authentication flexibility. So the data API has its JSON format, and it's structured in a certain way, and you can't change it. It is what it is. Mm -hmm. Whereas REST FM, you can basically send it any kind of data structures you want, and it'll accept it. And originally I thought, you know, oh, we've got the ability to have custom formats. I'm thinking, oh, well, we could add, you know, CSV files or some other thing like that. Mm -hmm. But actually, that's not what it's about. It's about uh, having different formats of XML or different structures of JSON that you can return. So you can say, you know, a company comes to you and say, I'm going to send you data, and this is the format I'm going to send it mm -hmm. to you in. If you're using the data API, you say, look, sorry, I can't, because mm. this is the format it has so you've to got be. you to transform it first before, yeah. Yeah, so it's actually, you know, you can just say, yes, no worries. REST FM, no worries, custom format, away we go. Um, so we've done things, you know, SOAP integrations in large companies with, you know, Salesforce and SAP and things mm -hmm. like that. Even just simple little things where we wanted to change a FileMaker value list into an array in JSON. So... Mm. Really cool, really interesting uses of stuff. In, so what about running scripts? Because that's what's one of the features that's not supported in the FileMaker native one, right? Yeah, yeah, it does. So, yeah, I guess that, that is a you know one of the other things that uh, REST FM does. It's on FileMaker's roadmap. I, I'm, I'm sure that's something they're going to add in the future. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, again, that's the, that's the other part of it. Once the data gets in, the moment it arrives, you want to be able to do things with it. You want to drop the data into a you know, temp table so you can hold it there, process it, do what you need to do. So, yeah, you just call the script. So, And then the other one was the authentication um, uh, advantages of REST FM. Mm -hmm. So what, um, what the data API does is it has like a three-step process. You log into the data API, uh, and then you do your commands, and then you log out again. So it has that, you know, complex essentially Structure, yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and so there's none of that so we've got these ability to have keys that you authenticate so you match a key against an account and password and it means you can do really cool things you can have like a one-time key or you can have a key that lasts for a day or you can have a permanent one so we've got some uh, mechanisms where we're sending out solutions to our clients and uh, we I want a one-time login so the email goes out to them I don't want everybody to get that email and start logging into my sure. business database right. so we make the key a one-time code um, they log in, they get a permanent key, 
they use the one-time code, they get a permanent key, and then their one-time code expires. Right. Yeah. Huh. So the emails, you know, it doesn't matter if it gets uh, sent or resent. Yeah, or exactly, or yeah, lost. That's, that's very secure. Yeah, so... So that was yeah that was basically the emphasis of the, of the session. So you know I, I, th I think obviously the the data API is in beta. Um, you know it's there sort of 1.0, and I think it'll really improve. Right. Um, and we still have no idea yet what the pricing is going to be, but but we don't yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I don't I don't know if it matters. Well, I don't know. I'm probably as it's going to certainly at some point. But right now it's just great. I mean uh, you know it's, a, it's an awesome technology and and very performant and much vastly better than what we had before. Yeah. yeah. Look, that's that's one of the cool things. And what we're hoping to do with REST FM is we've got this product rest fm that's like a layer on the data on the xml api and the php api but we can actually just use um, rest fm as a layer on their data api mm -hmm. so we can take advantage of all that performance and stuff like that down the track sure. so yeah i'm i'm hoping it um, comes out of beta soon the, the the beta label makes it hard lots of people go oh, I'm, I'm not even going to look at it yet because oh. you know it's just beta so i'm, I'm hoping firemaker sort of locks down any of the changes they want to make and and gets it out of beta quickly yeah. yeah, well, I think the, there's that, but then also the charging for it is, I think they said they weren't even going to announce pricing until like October 28, I don't know, a long time. Yeah, yeah. Not, not, not October 2017, but I think farther than that. Oh, no, I think there's a expiry. Yeah, there's, there's yeah. an expiry. Oh, that's oh. right. Yeah. So they could actually start selling it as soon as it comes out of beta, yeah. but uh, got it. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. I, I had that wrong. Yeah, yeah. So there so that's REST FM, and then um, just last Friday we got our version of uh, Base Elements plugin um, compiling on iOS. So all these native functions for iOS that uh, we can now add into uh, solutions you do via the SDK. That's cool. Yeah. So um, what? So multiple platforms there? Yeah. So Mac and Windows before, um, right. but this version, uh, what are we up to? Version four beta mm -hmm. um, runs under Linux for the AWS, so you can run it in FileMaker Cloud. And it's just a handful of I think plugins for cloud at this point. But yeah. Yeah, and um, also iOS. That's, so that's key. That's yeah. awesome. I mean, there's not. We haven't done any major work on it yet, so there's not things that are platform native like dialogues. Mm -hmm. Um, but obviously those kind of things can come. But all of the other stuff that's internal, yeah, you can use all that and, and distribute it with your SDK apps. So that's really cool. I'm, the, the iOS stuff, I think, is like going to be the future. What we can add to, to solutions running on apps now that we can have plugins in, in iOS, yeah. that's going to be really cool. I'm, I'm excited about what we want to do. Like I, my first thought is like I want to be able to do a notification that... Uh, pushes data into the FileMaker solution. So, right. you know, you get a notification in. Um, right. You don't even necessarily have to show a dialogue, but you can use that to do an insert SQL right. to drop data into a dialogue. So, you know, imagine oh, you, you get, a, no yeah. you get a, a notification and you go, oh, cool, some, you know, new jobs popped up. And right. when you click on it, data's already there in your FileMaker solution. Yeah, or like a calendar appointment that you want to accept, which can do, which can do multiple things or yep. something like that. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So that's what that's my thoughts. But I'm, I think once we sort of get our heads around the concept, I think that's going to end up being really huge. Cool. That's exciting stuff. What else is interesting at your company? What are you, you guys growing staff, doing more consulting stuff? What's the what? What else is going on? Yeah. Look, we're. we're, we're Consulting is still our main business. Um, you know the products we love doing, and they're they're awesome for us as a as a marketing tool, and and these days as well a bit of a revenue revenue generator. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we're you know still working. Um, I've got one more one more temp who's actually kind of permanent at the moment. So hmm. um, yeah, that and uh, perhaps one more person coming on on Sydney soon. I'd love to be able to oh. add one there. So there would be then we'd be Melbourne, Brisbane, and Sydney. So the big three East Coast capitals. 
Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, those are the three biggest cities in the country, right? Yep, yep, yeah. exactly, yeah. Because you only have three in your tiny little country, <laughs> which is two-thirds the size of the United States or something like that. I, yeah, I think it's like about the same size. Yeah, so... But yeah, apart from the cities, there's no one anywhere else. Though. <laughs> yeah, the, the middle, Ayers Rock, and that's it, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lovely spot, though. Go yeah. I, I still have yet to visit. I got to come down and see you. You come see us every year. <laughs> and it's a long flight. I just looked at it before 15 hours and 45 minutes on the plane on the way home. Oh, wow, that's, that's a long time. Well, thanks so much for all your contributions and always come to DevCon and been, for being an awesome gentleman. No worries. Thanks, Matt. My pleasure. So DevCon is wrapped, and I'm here with two of my favorite guys, James Ramsey and Todd Geist. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you very much. Good to be here. Hello. So, Todd, congrats on your award. Very exciting. Yeah. it's a, it, FBA Excellence Award? Yes, F- FBA Excellence Award for, for advocacy. Yeah. Advocacy. Yeah, exactly. To think about it. I sometimes forget what the pillars are, but yeah, for advocacy, which... I guess was just a I, I frequently forget what the pillars are, <laughs> and it seems like they haven't really come up in the last year in my reviews and stuff like that. But anyway, <laughs> but I focus on them. I actually really care about it. But I care about it because it's important for my business, That's right. not That's right. because it's important to report to FileMaker. Yeah, no, they they are very important. That's I mean, I think the reason why I was recognized for the for the award is because uh, I think it's very important to advocate for the platform. I mean, we do have an awesome platform yeah. in FileMaker, and I don't think enough people know about it or know enough or know enough about its capabilities. Uh, it's been around a long time. People tend to put it in a box that was, you know, maybe created 10 or 15 years ago. I mean, it's, it FileMaker is in a mid-90s box for a lot of the yeah. IT world. Yeah, exactly. And so people don't realize it has all really the same tools for connecting to the Internet that every other platform out there has. Mm-hmm. So um, I do a lot of speaking about that, blogging about that doing little videos about that. Uh, um, so uh, I guess that was yep. basically that, that, that was what, what the award was for. Yeah, and well-deserved, sir. Oh, so, and you had a booth this year in addition to all the other stuff. So you did training day, and in your booth, one of the featured products was FM Perception, which is lit the world on fire. Let's, talk to, let's talk to the creator. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what is this product, and how is it different than other analysis tools? So the, it's a FileMaker analysis tool a DDR analysis tool. And the primary difference between it and other tools is performance. It's very, 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 very fast. And it does that through using uh, native code rather than being written in standard FileMaker and also in using progressive analysis. So instead of loading all the data about everything that's going on in your DDR before it'll let you ask any questions, it loads the DDR into RAM and then stops and waits for you to tell it what you're interested in. And then it just loads those portions of the DDR and presents them to you. And so as you ask more complicated questions, it'll load a little bit more, a little bit more until it just loads the things that it needs to. And you can get your answer and get back to work really quickly. And when you say four varies fast, you mean like a second, because I've seen demos. It's phenomenal. Yeah, the fastest one that I or the biggest one that I do is a one gigabyte DDR import in less than 10 seconds. Wow. <laughs> That's fast. That's impressive. Because yeah, in all the other tools I've seen that would take minutes, hours. A, I remember, I remember, hours, hours, yeah. Yeah, I remember like back in the day of these tools when they first came out and they didn't even use plugins yeah. that we, it was like a, some of them would be like a 24 hour analysis or something like that. Yeah. yeah. I used to take all day um, for doing any kind of large solution. I mean, sometimes over the weekend, 
So we would have to prep our files, run an analysis on Friday, get the import started, come back in on Monday to get the thing done. Every, all the tools have made big, big speed improvements, but the big advantage that we have is that we use a totally different technique. As we, as we just heard, we don't have to do, we don't have to answer every question before you get to ask your first one. Mm-hmm. We, just, we just answer the question that you've asked, and that's it. And that makes it super fast. So. We are in a super quiet little room, and there's a bird flying there around in here. Two birds flying around in here. This is crazy. I heard three, three birds. This is weird. We're like we deep inside the hotel. <laughs> there's nobody else in this room except two birds or three birds. Four, I think. Yeah, maybe. yeah, yeah. there's a whole bunch. That's really yeah. funny. So uh, sales really good. That was the main thing you're here for was to to sell it, show it. Uh, for me, yeah, it was just to get FM perception in front of as many people, get people downloading the trial, trying it with their data, and the reception has been fantastic. Just lots of people really excited about what's going on and going home and trying things. And one of the biggest difficulties is that the free two-week trial means that nobody really has to buy it for like another week and a half to right. two weeks. So we won't know yet exactly how good the sales were this year, but right. the attention was huge. And so I'm anticipating good things. Well, I've played with it and like worked with it with some other clients of mine who own it, but I'm done. I'm buying it. So one of those sales will be me, sir. Awesome. <laughs> so Todd, you did, you did a training day, yeah. an entire day of training on really awesome new features, uh, on all the rest stuff. How'd that go? Uh, it went really well. I mean, it was a very ambitious training, uh, frankly, maybe too ambitious, but we covered a lot of topics. We went all the way from the new insert from URL features to the JSON parsing, JSON building, connecting two APIs, and then we moved on to building APIs. So we had people, there were about 200 people in the class, most of whom had never opened a text editor or used the terminal, and they were writing JavaScript code and using the terminal. And I would say about 30%, maybe 40% of them got all the way through to the very end and were able to build an an API that was connecting to a FileMaker database, which yeah, is and pretty you said they were like building Node.js servers That's too right. in the class. That's right, right. building Node.js servers. And these are people who have never written JavaScript before. And the reason Node's important is it's now one of the bedrock features of FileMaker 16. Mm-hmm. So a very important feature moving forward. Uh, so I was very excited to be able to show that to people and to get people to just to be exposed to it, really. Because yeah. um, it's not something that we're familiar with in our, in our community. But Node.js is the biggest story in software in the last five years. Mm-hmm. And it's really taken over the world. And now it is a core part of the FileMaker platform. So it's just incredibly exciting. Yeah. Yeah. That's a massive change in 16 yeah. for sure and, and a very welcome one. Yeah. And what else did you do? What were the other big activities for DevCon? Oh, uh, let's see. So um, I did give another uh, talk. We did a little sort of unconference on building uh, large, ambitious uh, um, CRM, ERP-type systems with FileMaker. And, and that was really great. We just discussed sort of what some of the problems are around around building and maintaining such systems. And, and typically, when, you, when you're talking about an ERP or a CRM, uh, it it, it kind of has to work. I mean, you can't you can't be developing and breaking things all the time because it's not like some edge case part of part of part of the business. It's core to the business, and if it doesn't work or it's not working, you have financial impacts that happen almost immediately. Right. Yeah. So, Key. Yeah. So you, you sort of have to take it to the next level. You have to make sure that you're doing at least something around the ideas of testing your key logic so that when you're fixing it or changing it or modifying it, you know you didn't break it. So we talked a little bit about testing. We talked a little bit about API integration. We talked about database transactions. 
Um, we talked a little bit about security and some of the new features again in FileMaker 16. Uh, we now have this OAuth feature. That sounds like a really big list. So, yeah, OAuth is key. Yeah. yeah, you weren't one of the first ones who had that one running and up and running. Yeah, yeah. It's a, you know, OAuth is a little bit of a challenge to figure out exactly uh, uh, how it's working. If you've never seen it before, it, it can be a little bit of a, a little bit of a headache. Mm -hmm. But we did get through it. In fact, we switched over to using Microsoft. Um, just Azure, right? That. Yeah. yeah, because it has the best support for FileMaker. Groups, group support, you were telling me. Absolutely. Group yeah. supports are absolutely key, and it's, it's been great. I mean, we, we maintain all our groups in our Office 365 account, and, and we can easily assign those groups to any FileMaker file. So it ends, up working, it ends up working just like our old external authentication has always worked. Same benefits of that. In Active Directory. In Active Directory, but now we get to use it with Office, Office 365, right, right. which is great. Uh, so, so, and then Dave, who works with you, had a session. I know he probably had two, but one of them he did was, was I think, titled um, Data Modeling That Scales. That's right. Yeah, Dave, yeah, yeah, he had one session, uh, and it was really well attended. Uh, you know, it's usually you think data modeling is not one of the things that's going to draw a big crowd because it tends to be a topic that is often considered dry or boring. Maybe, but it's one of the sexiest things on my radar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and it should be because it is important. Uh, in, when things uh, things tend to change a lot in the areas of UI and maybe even business logic, but data modeling, you get the right data model, it can really, really impact you for a number of years. So you want to try to get that right. Yep. And so uh, the, the room was full. It must, I mean, it was a packed house, and, and Dave did a great job. And Do you happen to know his big tips or things he was sharing in that thing? Well, so he showed um, a whole bunch of stuff around the concept of a party model, um, which uh, I would just encourage people to watch the video when it comes out because mm -hmm. he goes through step-by-step step and builds a database from scratch using the party model, which is a nice way to describe the relationship between contacts and companies right. and organizations, customers, vendors, employees, et cetera. There is a way to, to, to define a generalized data model that works for all those kinds of scenarios. Right. And it's all about the role, isn't it? Yeah, it's all about defining the roles for the contacts and, and, uh, and, and how they relate to one another. And, um, you know, I, it was not something that I had used a lot before Dave joined our company, but he, he really convinced me that's the way to go, and it's, it's kind of the, one of the foundations of, of the framework that we use internally for building these large, ambitious apps. Because um, one of the other things that happens in these big applications is how people relate customers um, and the different types of contacts in those customers can be really important. If it's a school, parents and their children, you need to know that relationship, right? Definitely. And you can imagine all the different scenarios where the different kinds of relationships between contacts between contacts are incredibly important to know what they are. So it, it's, it's really helped us in our work, and, uh, and I was glad Dave got the chance to share it. And from what I, I was there and, um, for the whole thing, and it, got, it seemed to do really well, and people have been saying it was one of their favorite sessions. So fantastic, and cool. a really great DevCon for us. Awesome. So, James, in, a, in addition to your awesome work with FM Perception, what's the other, what are the other things you do in your day job? What's your day life? At this point, that's basically it. That's it. I'm I'm focused every day on making wow. FM perception better and adding new things. Um, I am yeah, less a FileMaker developer and more a FileMaker tools developer. Got it. That's, that that transition is pretty interesting too, because like when we were, you and I were talking a year ago, you and before you were really sure how that thing was going to take off and launch and blow up like it did. Yeah, no, uh, everybody seems really interested, and uh, the best part about getting to talk to so. Uh, Talking to new users is great, but then there's also talking to people who've had it for the last year. Mm -hmm. And somebody comes in and goes, I love this tool. This is fantastic. I need one thing. <laughs> there's one column. Like, add this one column, yeah. and this will be amazing. And I'm looking at it going, 
that's a great column. Let's go ahead and do that. Yeah. yeah it's, or, it's, you know what? You're crazy. Leave. <laughs> <laughs> the, well, those are much less common. Well, yeah, I mean, sure. just, uh, just to make a point there, we released 33 versions of FM, 31 versions of FM Perception since last DevCon. Well, it could be 33 by the end of the day. It could be. So that's almost three versions a month. And a lot of those are bug fixes and just minor tweaks, but yeah. almost all of them have some feature that got added, that got added at, the, at the request of maybe just one customer. Yeah. Um, if we think it's a good idea, Dave can get it in there, we get it in there. So um, 31 releases in a year is pretty good. We're pretty excited about it. That's one of the things that, uh, one of the advantages we get from using the native platforms is being able to deploy that code is super easy. Yeah, yeah you go by Dave, not James, don't you? Uh, most of the time. But I go by everything. Yeah, I mean, I hey, you called you works both. effectively. So. I should have had your badge fixed. So I looked at your badge and called you James, and I go, that's not right. That's not right. <laughs> well, I, he, I mean, this is the name he signs everything with, so it's totally confusing. Hmm. Yeah, but he answers the phone, Dave. and so The, yeah. the full name Dave. is James David Ramsey. Yeah. So that just, everybody has yeah. picked the particular name that they like from there, and they call me by that. It all works. It's nice. <laughs> thanks so much for your time today, guys. Hey, hey thanks very much. Thank you, Vu. So DevCon is pretty much wrapped at this point, and I'm here with Mark Richmond from Skeleton Key. Welcome. Hi. So I think you guys, you and I have talked a few times before, but uh, this year was a really big year for you. You had three people from your company at, as speakers. Correct. We had three guys. Each had two sessions, and then we brought three other employees. So this is the largest Skeleton Key contingent that's ever been here. That's awesome. Congratulations on that. Thanks. It was a lot of fun. It's cool to have all those people there. A couple brought some of their family members. I brought my kids for the first time, so that was kind of cool to have them get a chance to see this whole crazy world. It was great to meet your kids. They're awesome. Thanks. And, of course, I always love hanging out with Sally, too, your amazing wife. Thank you. She is amazing. I would agree. She's kind of our secret weapon. She uh, has gotten to know a lot of people at FileMaker in ways that none of us ever would because she's got nothing to talk about with them other than their regular lives, which kind of opens them up a little bit. That's true. A few years ago, I remember when I first met her and you at like the Speaker Dinner or the Platinum Cruise or something like that at a DevCon, she was bringing information out of people left and right. She's just, she's got skills in that way. Yeah, she does. I think, was it someone, John Sundelar, I think was asked, telling her that he remembered her because she had like a secret power. And then she turned around and she got one of the guys who was wearing a kilt to reveal whether he was wearing something underneath it. And everybody was wondering, but no one had the cojones to go up and ask and actually did. So she just walked over and started asking and she got the answer that everyone was looking for. So... Or maybe not the answer they were looking for. I don't know. It was, the answer was another kilt. Yeah. I don't know if he was wearing anything under there. At some point, there was just, you know, just him. I don't really want to know the answer. Let's talk about technology because this is all of a sudden really uncomfortable. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> so um, so you, you're a pretty major player in, the, in your company. Not you because you're nothing. You're just like, you know. But you're just a guy. That's the only way to be if you're, you know, trying. You don't want to be too too much ego. But you guys have contributed a ton to the community over the years. So I'm, I'm, I'd love to kind of summarize what their sessions were. Of course, they're going to be available on YouTube for people to watch. But like how, in the industry that's changing, um, what were you guys talking about? We're, we're, start with what your two, your two sessions were. Sure. So my two sessions were a complete departure from what I've ever talked about. Um, you know, for years I've been talking about performance since 2010. It's gotten kind of be a, one of those topics. I'm beating the drum, and people are either adopting it or they're not. And, and the platform's getting faster, but it's still a thing. Yeah. So basically, like building better WAN performant databases and 
and it was getting kind of old and long on the tooth, hard to come up with new material there. So um, this year I took a total different stab, went to the beginner track and talked about Security 101. Those mm -hmm. are the basic security things that you should be putting in your solutions, all of, some of which are in the software and people just don't use them, and some of which are just best practices, like lock the server room door. Um, and there's, a ton of, there's also a ton of checkboxes in FileMaker, like in securing a file that are not on by default, and you have to go check them. Correct, and that's FileMaker trying, yeah, FileMaker's trying to balance that whole um, make it easy for new users and make it secure by default. And right. I was trying to point out these are the things you should check to make sure it's secure all the time. The other um, was uh, I did a, an FBA Day presentation on uh, the ABCs of reselling, which is normally a FileMaker staff member's job. And I felt like since we're one of the top resellers of licensing that I could explain why I even decided to get into that business. And um, so both of those were totally new topics for me, both kind of entry-level topics and uh, topics I think I'd like to keep talking about because I'm, I'm interested in helping people get those basics under their belt. So what are, what are three or four of the really good things for security that you think, that you think a lot of people miss when they're starting out a file from scratch? Uh, a lot of people don't uh, change the admin password. They don't turn off the file options for login automatically using. Um, oh yeah. You know, if you don't, don't, if you actually forget to turn that off, but you still set up a, a secure account and turn off the admin account, then you get a bunch of log errors on the server. Exactly, and yeah. you get frustrated users. Yeah. A lot of people don't enable file access control to keep other files from tapping into your file. Most of the time, we're building single file solutions yeah. these days. Where if you're not, you should understand that feature. And there's a lot of settings on server that people don't play with. They don't just turn on, you know, encryption. They don't turn on uh, require passwords for files. They don't right. require, um, some of them don't turn on well, progressive Require backup. password for files is now automatic. That's automatic for FileMaker Cloud. It's not automatic for FileMaker it's Server. It's automatic for FileMaker Server 16. As always, it on, is it yeah. enabled, so by default? enabled by default on FileMaker Server 16, which is different from 15, is it actually requires that all the hosted files have a password. Yeah. So if you just upgrade your session. server... What, to heckle you? Yeah. So then when I said that, you could have said that I was wrong. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> that's a behavior change. It's subtle. But yeah, I love that. What else? What else? Uh, for security. Um, I talked a little bit about my, one of my things. I think it's a minor thing, but it's something people forget is I like to change the custom menus on solutions and remove delete all records and remove replace field contents. I feel like those are two commands that are extremely powerful. And terrifying. I've, I've misused them when I thought I knew what I was doing, trying to fix data or clean up a solution, and I could see them in... A user who's got read-write privileges suddenly deleting all the records in a found set. Yeah. So um, just some, some minor things that I think are worthwhile, kind of a checklist of 10 or so items that I think are worth doing. Yeah, that sounds great. Okay. And what was your second session? Second session was the reselling. reselling. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my basic point there was that, you know, there's, um, your clients buy from people who they trust and they trust you. Um, there's margin to be made there. Um, and I was a complete convert. I went from passing along discounts and, and actually getting slapped by Jesse uh, Barnum at 360 Works for passing along the discount uh, to, um, you know, almost a million dollars in total uh, licensing sales over the last six or seven years. Wow. So um, we really drank the Kool-Aid on this is an opportunity for a one-stop shop for our customers. It's right. margin to be made. And most importantly, I think it's an opportunity for you to work more closely with FileMaker sales because that's what they do. They make and sell software. And if right. you're not selling software but just building solutions, th there's not as much give and take there. There's not as much opportunity for collaboration. Yeah, I, t I totally agree. And the one-stop shopping thing is definitely big. And the other thing is, it's really important to me to, to ensure that my clients get the right type of licenses. Right. And FileMaker Sales doesn't have the time to spend to find out what their really what their needs are and to right. and to give a really customized quote. So sometimes I've seen that FileMaker Sales kind of quotes too high or too low for whatever the customer really needs. Right. And most customers, they're not, they can go online and they can buy the software themselves, but right. that, they're not going to save a lot of time or money that way. If they can buy it from you at the same price, they're going to be happy to do it, and then you just worry about it. There's even some people like this kind of as a transition to Greg's, one of Greg Lane's topics. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we actually started selling FileMaker Cloud as like a managed service. 
where we would actually you know, license FileMaker and license from Amazon and then just make it one price for the customer. Mm -hmm. We'll build your solution and then this is what it costs to host it and run it and use it. Right. And um, it's the same kind of thing. You're just making it easier for your customers so they don't have to worry about all the details. Yeah, I do the same thing in my company. You do, you do it a lot more than me, but yeah, so I'm, I'll follow your lead. I don't know if I'm doing it a lot more than you. From what I understand, you guys are growing pretty well. We're growing really well and we actually have a lot of servers, but they're small. I think you have much larger solutions, I think, than we do. So I'm still, I'm still trying to catch up to where you were five years ago, I'll sir. my solution if you show me yours. <laughs> this, the second uncomfortable part of this podcast. <laughs> There'll be more, so just stick with it. Just I'm, I'm good with it. We can keep going down this road. So what, what was that? So this is, uh, you said a good lead into Greg's session? Yeah, so Greg did a session on seven tips for using FileMaker Cloud. And I don't, I don't know the specific seven tips he ended up giving. Um, I'll admit I didn't go to his session. I was prepping for one of my own. But from what I gathered from what people were talking to me about is in addition to some of the technical tips and gotchas that he might be warned mm -hmm. you about, I think he gave people a sense of how we were packaging that service when it first came out, how we were taking advantage of the opportunity there to make it easy for clients. Sure. And so we have more clients right now who are basically purchasing FileMaker Cloud through us as like a managed service than we do who brought their own license. Um, either oh, way, wow. we're yeah. Either way, we're administrating the servers, so that's created a recurring revenue stream for us on just sort of keeping tabs on the technology, making sure things are up and running, and and it's, it's just been a very effective solution. So for us, it's been really good return. You know, it's we don't have a lot of work we have to do. Um, there's upgrades periodically. We take care of those. They're getting better and better. And I think as long as cloud's a good fit for the solution, we're going to keep using it. Okay. What was Greg's other session? He did, he did a sort of a traditional session on introduction to ODBC and SQL for oh, new developers. Yeah. And so a very demo-rich session. If you haven't seen it before at previous DevCons, it's worth seeing. It basically covers the gamut of options for using SQL and ODBC inbound and outbound from FileMaker, uh, both server and pro, just so you can understand the range of what's possible. He has a ton of expertise in that area, and, and anytime I have a technical question, he's the guy I go to. Yeah, me too, all the time. Yeah. Which is great why he's on my team. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And Chad, I, who has not spoken before, or is this his first year speaking? No, he has spoken before. Okay. He's kind of been on and off depending on the year. Um, you know, I, I did the same thing. I had a year or two where I applied mm -hmm. and they didn't, they didn't pick my sessions. Um, so no, he spoke no, they, on, It was you they didn't pick. It wasn't, it wasn't about your sessions. <laughs> the, uh, he did two sessions, but the one I, I understood the best and I was really excited about was the power of bi-directional relationships. Yes, you know, I, I didn't go to that one. It was, it was very fascinating. I'm definitely going to watch the video, but give me the, give me the teaser. The teaser is that um, years ago when FileMaker 7 came out, mm -hmm. which I can remember back then, um, one of the most exciting things about it was that um, all your relationships were automatically bi-directional. Mm -hmm. And so I, immediately I thought that was great. I talked to the system engineers about it. They were like, excited about it too because it made uh, easy for you to create simple schema mm -hmm. um, and we used to do the same thing but we had two files and two Start relationships schema. right well um you know then somehow or other anchor buoy and these other kinds of you know um, approaches to mm -hmm. graphing became the norm for a lot of people where you didn't use bi-directional relationships no. anymore they kind of tossed it out the window right. and and that's okay if it's organized for you and it makes sense to you then that's fine it's sort of the way we used to think about it just kind of moved into FileMaker 7 but i know that there was a lot of angst that that feature, that power was kind of ignored by a lot of people. Right. We've been using unified graphs or bi-directional relationships since day one, and we really only occasionally use other methods. And so he was trying to make the point that there's a lot of power in that feature, as opposed to kind of approaching it from, you should graph your relationships graph this way. And I think in previous attempts to talk about right. it, we're always right. getting into arguments. So about it's not it. like a best practice. It's a religious thing, right? So spider graph versus anchor buoy versus yeah, other methods. We're not going at it that way. We're saying there's a technical benefit to doing it this way. Okay. Let's look at it. Maybe you don't have to use it everywhere. Maybe you can just use it here and there. Or like in the data file, if you separation model, something like that. Right. Just to help people understand what it does. And so I was real excited to see one of members of my team pick that up and run with it because it's a topic I've been wanting to talk about for years and I just, it wasn't top of the list and um, I'm sure he did a great job. I feel sure. Also, what was his, uh, what was his second session? 
The second session is for power, t um, uh, I think power tips for power users or um, developing, I don't really know, I have to be honest. I, I kind of focused in on that session that he was doing. I'm sure I could look it up on DevCon to go. Um, in fact, I have it right here. It was programming for power users. Um, and I think he was basically, oh, yeah, this was what it was. There's a lot of built-in features uh, in FileMaker. Um, we often have a feature in all of our estimates that's basically FileMaker native, like zero hours. Right, yeah, things like, a, yeah, like exporting a PDF and sending it as an email, stuff yeah. that looks like magic, you know. Quick find, table view, I mean, multiple windows. These are things that are just part of the solution, the, the platform, right. that you don't have to rebuild anything. You just have to teach people how to use them. Right. So I think he was trying to show people there's a lot of power if you can harness those native features. You don't have to actually ignore that stuff. You can embrace it. Right, yeah, don't ignore and write around it. And Yeah, okay, I, I like that. Yeah. So overall, it was a really good show. I mean, we had a, um, the, the, the plenary sessions from FileMaker were awesome. I'm real excited to see what's coming down the pike in terms of the features on the roadmap. They're getting more and more transparent with us all the time about what they're planning for the platform and for the development of the channel with the FileMaker Business Alliance members. Yeah, so the Platinum lunch meeting that we had today, uh, obviously we can't talk about any features like that, but the thing that, the, the, the thing that really hit me was exactly as you said, they're really getting way more transparent and, and talking about stuff that's much farther down the road. And you know, with all the usual caveats, this is this is not a product. This is an idea. These are things that we think are smart. But wow, some really, really—it's clear that they're investing in all the right things to me. Yeah, and I've also saw other evidence. Like there were a lot of side meetings with various people at FileMaker mm -hmm. uh, about reselling. There was discussions with people about business services that other people are bringing to the community, like Kalos Consulting and Beyond the Chaos. In addition to what Molly does at Thorson Consulting, there was conversations going on about uh, what's coming in the future of cloud. So I know there was a number of you know kind of non-disclosure sessions. Going on, mm -hmm. but in general, I just felt like anytime you started talking to someone, you started to see a lot more overlap between FileMaker and FBAs than previously. There were even people in the FBA who were part of the whole process of helping select who was going to speak and providing feedback about their slides. And so oh, I didn't they're know really that. trying to leverage the community more than they ever have, I think, because you know, even the council, just helping to select content, helping to sure. identify what are the most important things that we should be doing. Um, they they really seem to be aware of the fact that we are have a lot to offer. We just need a place to have that voice. Well, yeah, the council, this is the first year they really talked about that because that was formed, what, just before DevCon last year? And, um, yeah, that's this thing that has, what, seven members, I think, uh, from different from all over the world. Ten total. Ten total Nine people? Ten total, yeah. Nine or ten total. But, yeah, right, it was a little bit vague what it was, but now we have a much better sense of who's on it, what they're doing, and the process by which they and we can submit ideas to right. be discussed. exactly. How often they meet, the fact that they really get into some really intense stuff and there's a lot of disagreement, yep. and that, you know, they're, they're, and that there's actually, they're moving the needle, really, in a meaningful way. Exactly. No, yeah. so, overall, it was a great show. It was uh, shorter than usual. Um, that was, you know, um, I think we'll all wait to see how that turned out. Yeah. Um, I know I, since I had two sessions, I didn't go to as many sessions as I wanted to or get a chance to visit with people as much as I wanted to. So, um, you know, hopefully in the future I'll organize my time a little bit better. Um, but overall, everything I've heard from my guys is that every session they went to, they got value. Yeah, I, I went to several. I didn't go to as, as many, um, but I definitely went to a lot. I'm actually heading to another one right now, but um, the very last one. But yeah, I definitely got a lot of value from, from things too. Yeah. And I heard some of them were like stellar superstar ones as usual as some always stand out. Right, right, exactly. Um, it was also like, I didn't even realize that there was a, a, a project management uh, um, opportunity on the training day. And I, had I been more careful in reading ahead of time, I probably would have brought my project management team because we were always trying to find relevant project management training mm -hmm. for them. But to find it from within the community would have been perfect. So I'm yeah. really hoping they'll bring that back next year. And I didn't really even realize that the training day had so much advanced stuff. So I kind of just missed that. Um, but next year, I think I'm going to bring a bigger crew and really and make take full advantage of the super uh, detailed, deep training stuff. So this if is we, great. If we only knew where it was going to be next year, 
I know, and they didn't talk about that either. That was also interesting at the closing session. Yeah. They usually announce it. So all we have is rumors that are supposed to be double secret. Yeah, I know. So we're just going to have to wait and see. Obviously, we all need to know. If you're listening from Famic, we need to know so we can know whether we want to apply to speak and, and where it's going to be. But I'm sure they'll tell us. Well, that's a long time before we have to worry about that. Months and months and months. But it's always fun to know at the end of the at the end of DEPCOM and where next is it going to be. True enough. True enough. Mark, thanks so much for your time. You too, Matt. I look forward to seeing you next year.